What comes after 52? I do believe we can do the math. 53! One year and one episode. Episode 53 of the Battle for 1600 with me, Sebastian Gorka, host of America First, and my good friend, former White House colleague, former strategic advisor to the Trump campaign, the Baron Boris Epstein. Welcome back to episode... Where's the beard? That's it. Listen, here's the deal. My parents came in. They said, <laughs> and they said, who's that? Who's that? They said, you look like a Unabomber. Okay. <laughs> it's got to go. This thing's got to go. Now, was it, and, now who, who was it first? Was it your mom or your dad who said, Ixnay on the like, beard My mom was like, oh, it's kind of okay. And my dad was like, well, let's go. But I could tell. I could just tell that it was called my, my, the, the, my facial hair was causing family tension. And, you know, I have no need for any of that. Right? So I, uh, I, I, took, the, I took the chopper to it. And, you know, the beard, uh, it was the same with you, right? It grows in. It was, it was like a nice three, four, four-weeker. So, and I do electric, right? So I had to flip on the the clipper, uh-huh. clip it off, and then go over it. It was a whole process. Why did you do that without us getting a shaving sponsor for the podcast? We could have had amazing footage. The Baron trying out his new amazing razor. Next time, next time, next time. Okay, um, first things first. I got to ask you, are you safe? Are you okay? What do you mean? Well, it's it's March 4th. (laughs) I mean... are, they, are, are, are the QAnon hordes not around you? Are they not surrounding you? Because, you know, they said, I mean, there's there's still 6,000 National Guard in D.C. Because the hordes, the bison men are coming. QAnon they, said so. How many showed up? How many showed up? Well, I think it's a very round number. I think the roundest number. The roundest of all the, <laughs> the numbers. roundest of all numbers. It's it's zero. But I think this is absurd. So today, the original inauguration day, March fourth, was meant to be the day where Donald Trump comes back and takes over control and QAnon and blah blah blah. This nothing. Zip Squanzoli, Nancy Pelosi canceled canceled Congress today. Why do you have the fences and the National Guard? If you, why are you canceling if you've got the security? And just a day, latest news, I've got to share with you, Boris, today with zero, zero threat revealing itself, the police have requested, the Capitol Police, I think it's Capitol Metro, that the National Guard stay here for two more months, Boris. Well, it's interesting, you know, the Capitol has a lot of, obviously Capitol Police, National Guard, but what they don't have is they don't have a president giving us a, a joint session. And if you, as you remember, in February when you and I were at the White House, President Trump delivered a thundering joint a speech to the joint session. For those of you at home, the first speech when the president, after the president is inaugurated, is not called the State of the Union. The State of the Union are the subsequent ones. The first is called an address joint to the joint session. session. And I was actually, I got to be, it was a fan, an unbelievable experience. I got to be in the chamber what? when President Trump delivered it. Yeah, I was there. I yeah, was, was, yeah. I was, wow. I, I, I got, my, my role was, I, <laughs> a little bit of insight. Shall we tell some stories? Let's tell some stories. Let's tell some stories. So by the joint session speech, the day of the speech, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told this story publicly. Uh, Mike Flynn had already been fired or resigned. Right. 
And we just, I think he arrived that day. I think this was the day he'd arrived. Or at least it was the day he moved into the offices. H.R. McMaster, General McMaster, had arrived as the new National Security Advisor. And the speech had been written by, you know, the great speechwriters. You know who they are. I'm not going to give their, their names away. This amazing speech for the joint session had been written uh, for the president. And I was the guy. I... <laughs> I was volunteered. You know what volunteered means? Right. Um, to go and tell H.R. McMaster about the national security element of the speech. Because do you remember back then, what was this, five years ago, that the mainstream media was the, the, this crazy conspiracy theory, this fake news that... He's going to go soft. He's going to go soft on ISIS. He's going to go soft on the radical Islam stuff. He's not going to he's not going to say he's not going to say evil and radical Islam. He's going to go soft. This is his first proof that Donald Trump isn't who he says he was. <laughs> and of I course, and of course, and no, the, the speech was the hardest core thing you've ever seen. And I was the guy, strategist of the president, who was told, you are going to go and tell the new national security advisor what the president is saying in his speech today. So he's on message as well. <laughs> and I go into his office, the, 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 the tiny national security advisor's office off the end of the West Wing. Right there to the right. Yeah. Right. And I'd known him. We'd actually shared a podium. We'd, we'd been on a panel together at, uh, where was it? VMI. Yeah, Virginia Military Institute. So I knew the guy. I knew General McMaster a little bit. Not a big fan of his, his for various reasons. And I said, uh, General McMaster, I'm here to uh, share with you the uh, contents of the Nash security portion and uh, to be clear that we are sticking to the the, the language uh, Mr. Trump used when he was a candidate that radical Islam is the threat. The guy flipped. He went bat guano crazy. I mean, this really? Is, oh, I'm not joking. He started shouting at me. He said, do you think I just fell off the effing turnip truck yesterday? This is this is in the West Wing on his first day. I mean, he was like nuts. As if he, 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 I guess he thought I was lecturing him. Not that I was the messenger he was, saying he was just giving, he was just giving right, information this is the president's speech and we want to make sure that you know what he's going to say he took it personally he went nuts i calmed him down and i said we're just making sure that everybody's using the same you know terminology in the administration right. you've just arrived he's literally moving in he went crazy and i i left it at that left in the speech and i, I left the thing i have to i have to end the story the same man, five hours later, bumps into me in the corridor and he says, Seb, can you come in here? Can you come in here? And I was like, kind of trepid. Is he going to scream at me again? And he said, I need your help. I need your help. I know you're good with uh, you know, media issues. Um, the Politico is going to write a story about me leaking to the press. What do I do? And I thought, uh, uh, hang on. Are you well, maybe the same, don't leak to the press. Are, are you the same HR McMaster who had who went nuts so five hours ago, and now you want me to do your favor? All I'm saying is uh, <clears throat> there are interesting characters in DC. I'll leave it at that. Am I right, Boris? Sure. 
Well, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, that was a fascinating time early in the White House. That was a big speech, a major speech. My job was to prepare the surrogates. So I was having rolling calls with, you know, all our outside influencers and talking them through what was going to be in the speech. At the same time, my family came, my wife and my little boy came to D.C. So I had to go pick them up at the airport. Oh, my god! I remember I'd like. At like noon or one, get him to our new apartment, go back to the office. And then, yeah, I got, it was amazing. Got to go uh, in the motorcade, I believe, now that I think about it. Where did you sit? Um, Where did you sit in Congress? Where were you? I was, so I, because my job was to get the surrogates and get them on TV, I was right in that galleyway behind the, behind the rows, right? So I was between the cloakrooms and, and, uh, you know, and the, the chamber, the seating and, area. Have you ever so, been there? Have you ever been in the chamber before? I think to, to maybe to tour it, I'd been there before, but it was unbelievable. I was, gosh, you know, probably half a foot away from the president as he walked in in the room when he was announced by the the sergeant uh, the sergeant at arms and then i actually got to hang out in the cloakroom a little bit with some of the members and they're back there smoking cigarettes <laughs> watching this what speech. smoking yeah. cigarettes but yeah because it was john boehner's cloakroom so you See, know when the he, when, inside truth you get it from the baron here when when Boehner was uh, you know was still the speaker, he said, "Yeah, you're not you know you're not going to mess with with us smoking cigarettes in the cloakroom." So there's cigarettes in the cloakroom, and and so I was back there. It was it was an unbelievable experience, and so you know you could watch you watch live, maybe go in the cloakroom for a little bit, have a refreshment, go back out and watch live. It was amazing, and the president knocked it out of the park. And just having that feeling, you know, having been on the campaign, having fought the you know the campaign wars and fought so hard to get this president elected. It was one of my moments, along, of course, you know, being communications director for the inaugural, I got to be on the podium, which was completely surreal. But this was, so along with something like that, being on the podium on inauguration, Jan 20, 2017, being in the chamber when the president delivered that joint address, it was it was something so special. I remember looking around and thinking to myself, wow, we really... We're here. We made it, you know. And and I have the friendly members and the member, you know, the senators uh, in the crowd saying hellos. It was a very cordial atmosphere on the Republican side. Can't speak to what the Democrat side's like. <laughs> I have to just recommend to everybody. You know, it's it's easy to forget it, but these things are, are good for the soul when when they're done well, when they're done by somebody who loves this country. And it's the easiest thing. You, you know, you can read the text, you can get the text online, but you can just go online and watch the video of Donald Trump's first address to the joint session of Congress, and it'll make you feel good. But we don't have well, to do that anymore. You should, but you don't have to. Have we even discussed the Sunday speech, Boris? Well, so we haven't discussed the Sunday speech, but let's finish the, the why are we talking the president about the president's joint address? It's because the guy who's in the Oval oh, now, yes. the, the, the artist formerly known as Joe Biden, <laughs> he hasn't given an address. And yesterday he was talking to some members of the House, said, I, I'm, by the way, I wasn't clear to what he said. Was that I'm willing to take questions? I'm gonna, kind of I'm, I'm, I, I'll do whatever you want, he said. It's to somebody, some somebody named Nance. It was some garbled mumbo jumbo, and then next thing you know, the video cuts out. There's, I think there's I a mean, phrase in, in Russian: "Konyets filmu," end of movie. Right. End. Of, just I mean, it, pull the cord. <laughs> We're going to play I mean, that was, on the radio show today. It's almost surreal, Sebastian. So the fact is, of the matter is this: this president has the President Biden has not given a, a joint address, a speech to the joint session. 
He has not given a press conference, which is a one in a hundred year event. Jake Tapper. I'm not joking. Are you trying Jake to ruin my Tapp- day? Why do you mention fakey Jakey? Fakey Jakey tweeted about Biden not doing a press conference so far. Whoa. He's getting, no, lost Jake Tapper. So let's let's, had- let's let's add it all together because I don't know how many people listen to the podcast and then catch every uh, you know, every day president. of the show. We had, was it yesterday? I think it was just yesterday. We had Daniel Payne from Just the News on, and he'd written a great piece. So this is just week seven of the administration. Not only are there still no um, visits to the White House. You can't, you can't go on a tour of the White House. Cognette's filming, none of that. They have, <laughs> they have disabled the comments on Biden's YouTube page because they weren't getting the comments they wanted. They have refused, refused to release the virtual visitor logs uh, because most business is being done, you know, through Zoom calls and whatever. They don't want to sh- – this open administration is refusing – transparent. They're, they're, tra- transparent. they're so transparent that you're not, not allowed to see who the president is talking to through Zoom. On top of that, the comment line where you can call in and say, hey, I don't like President blah blah's executive order. Shut down. There is no comment line. You can't leave comments in the White House. And what's the last one? Oh, yes. The petition website, which was super popular, set up under Obama, super popular under uh, President Trump, where you, where, where if enough people uh, support a certain issue, whatever it is, the White House has to address it. The petition page of the White House is shut down. And, and no State of the Union, no joint session. What's going on? A non-existent president is what's going on. Yeah. And by the way, the vice president making calls to other heads of government, right. like the prime minister of Australia, President Macron of France. So, and at some point, we just got to be honest, right? Got to look, got to look at the at Biden and say, this guy is not up to being president. He there's no way that is who's running our country, and if it is. That's scary. You know, I tweeted out that video of him yesterday during that session with the members, and, and I said, forget politics. Yeah. Let's put politics to the side. I disagree with Joe Biden on almost everything politically, okay? But just the fact of the matter that this person who's obviously, obviously declining rapidly is our president, that is so worrying. I'm somewhat worried for him, but I'm more worried for our country. No, just, absolutely. I mean, now I, there's talk about taking his war powers away. Bipartisan talk, by the 31, way. Thirty-one. I read the letter. Thirty-one. Not Republicans. Democrats right. sent a letter that wasn't classified. It was leaked or released to the press, where they said, "We don't want you, our president, our Democrat president, to have nuclear launch authority." Which is not so good. I mean, come on. Since we've had nukes, it's the commander in chief. They want an. For those who missed this, this is stunning. 31 Democrats, including your favorite, Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, have stated... They are some of my favorites. I mean, they are my favorite anti-Semites. As someone who is 100% Jewish... As a Jewish American, they are your favorite anti-Semites. As a proud Jewish American. You know why? Because they're the dumbest (laughs) anti-Semites. They just are continuously walking into walls with their ridiculous comments. 
So your your favorite your favorite Democrats have suggested this is a as a guy who national security is my thing. They want they get multiple suggestions. First suggestion is a doozy. They want Biden to relinquish sole authority and only be able to launch nuclear war if Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and Kamala Harris say, yeah, yes, Joey, you can do it. The last one is the best of all. They've got like four different versions. This is the best because you know the swamp. They want to have <clears throat> a committee of Congress that will decide whether or not the president should launch nuclear weapons. I mean, talk about dumb. Talk about stupid. Congress can't even decide when to go to the bathroom. <laughs> they look, they're not even here today. I mean, look, because QAnon is coming. Nancy shut Congress down. So today's the day that China should invade because, you know, the committee would be back home. It's, uh, we live in a scary time. <laughs> It feels like we have a non-existent government. Okay, we're going. You need nowhere, to write that. I'm going to. I'm going to give that to you. You need to write that article, Baron. The non-existent okay. president. Non-existent. I love that. I love the that. non-existent president. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to put it out. Watch out for it. there's gonna, there's an op-ed coming. Maybe tonight over a cigar. Nice. I'm going to put it together. All right. By the way, how's your? We haven't talked about this. Most important, you know, presidency, <laughs> memories, nuclear war, nuclear war. <laughs> Most importantly. What have you been smoking? How's it been going? I was worried you're going to ask me that. Right. You've been slacking? I have been massively slacking. Massively slacking. I haven't had a cigar. Am I allowed to say this? I haven't had a cigar since my cigar buddy, you and my son, have left the swamp. My son is in California. Boris is in his bunker. I haven't had a cigar since my smoke in the buddies. But, but, I have a little business I'm doing this weekend. I have to travel. There's a uh, foundation that raises money for um, Marines who have been killed or heavily wounded in a special operations mission. And they're having their annual fundraising gala. And we're going to a hotel in an undisclosed location where you can smoke cigars. So wish me luck. I don't know what I'm going to take with me, but there will be at least three cigars smoking. 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 It's a new word. They will be at smoking. least smoking this weekend. So I'm well, going to catch enjoy. up. I'm going to catch and up. I, and, and I would like next week, we're going to need a full report. <laughs> it could be a bullet point form, preferably with pictures of which cigars you choked, chose to smoke. I'm going to take some Gurkhas, that's for sure, because of Go our buddy. Got to take some Gurkhas. Maybe an Oliva, and I'm going to leave the third one as the mystery. I will report next week. Is that good? That's great. I'm planning to smoke a Gurkha tonight. Nice. Our friend sent me some. Our friend, our friend Kaiser Hunt, so she sent me a couple of, of good ones, so I'm really looking forward to it. Gurkhas, they're strong. They're good cigars. I've been smoking some Trinidad's lately, some Hoya oh, de Monterey's. Nice. I'm excited. I'm excited for now, that. Uh, I'm for a that bad boy. I, I, I can go weeks without smoking, but when I smoke a cigar, you know, you know me, I like massive. I like 60-gauge nice. long cigars like Churchill's. I'll have at least two of those and maybe a that's, cigarillo. What do you, well, how many cigars do you smoke in an that's evening? That's my problem, too, because when I sit, sit down and smoke, if I'm Sam, a third line, I'm already thinking about the next yeah. one, right? Because <laughs> yeah, right? They're just so good. You're smoking, having a good time. I'm usually having a little scotch. I've been having some Aberlour, some some Lagavulin nine, actually younger Lagavulin, because the the bunker I'm in may or may not be in a warm location, <laughs> so I'm not I'm not trying to have the super peaty scotch. 
But yes, I lay nine, younger than 16, less speedy. So, you know, I'm having a little scotch. I'm smoking a nice stogie. You know, the, it, it's a beautiful setting. And then once I'm a third in, once I'm half You're planning in, I'm, the next one. I'm more thinking about the next one, you know. So that's my problem, too. One is never enough. You know, hey, we're gluttons. What can I tell you? We're I got to say, I, and don't take this personally, guys. If you have one cigar, you're doing something wrong. I, it's just me. Unless it's early morning or lunchtime. If it's evening, one cigar, you, you got to try a little harder. What do you think? You know, it's interesting. It's funny you say that. I was just thinking to myself, this morning I woke up, I had a cup of coffee. And I did, I'm, I, and, and, you know, I have never smoked in the morning. I've smoked in the afternoon a few times. I've thought to myself, you know what I could do right now at, at you know, nine in the morning? I could really spark up. But I knew if <laughs> oh. I did, day's over. You know what I mean? Days over. Now, I did have a quick campaign story. So when I was day before Election Day, I was in Pennsylvania in, in so Sunday. So two days before Election Day, I'm in Scranton. I think I sent you pictures. I'm at rallies. I'm sure, and, you know, so I show up to Scranton. There's this huge rally they were having at like a truck park, okay? And everyone's smoking cigars. It's like two in the afternoon in. So I'm smoking a cigar. I'm having a great time. Then later, go to a cigar bar, have another one. So, you know, days like that, when you're full of adrenaline, you're running, you're giving speeches, great. But if I'm here, you know, I'm starting my day and I'm smoking, I don't know, can you smoke in the morning and then have a full day after? No, I can't smoke in the morning. I I did it once uh, with with my brother-in-law who got me into cigars at 6 a.m. after we'd been hunting and and it was like I, I turned green, um, but I'll, I'll end on this. And then I've got one question for you before we have to wrap. I went to I went to college with a guy, and I, I was sleeping. Uh, I, I he had a dorm downtown, so often I go there Friday night, sleep on the floor, and then we'd have you know we'd go out and paint the town red. Where was this in London? Yeah, in London. Yeah, he he was at uh, UCL. And not he, a bad town. No, no, not a, well in the eighties, especially eighties and nineties. And I remember waking up after a fun night. I was on the floor with a duvet, or whatever, and he was on the bed next to me. And this guy, hardcore smoker, he didn't get out of bed, but he reached his hand above his head to the shelf and pulled out the Galois French cigarette and lit up in bed. That's when you know you got a problem. I'm sorry, French. Filterless cigar, cigarette at like nine a.m. on a Saturday. Woo! That's that, that's a little, that's a little, that's a little much. Last story I will tell you, um, and you know we're having fun today. We already we did talk about nuclear war, so that's important. <laughs> I was, I may or may not have been on a on on a seafaring uh, vehicle the other day, a boat uh, on a on a Sunday, and I'm sm- and I was sm- I'm smoking a stogie, Monty too. And some and I and I like to smoke mine to the nub. Yes. I like it when I'm burning my finger. If it's not it's burning so, your finger, you're not trying hard enough. It's starting to disintegrate. You got to move it around to not burn your lips. Okay, that's why. Because you know the best, really the the best sort of flavor is in that last. It's the finish. It's the finish. Right. right. So I'm smoking to the nub, and the, and a guy there goes, he goes like, you know, what are you gonna? How much are you gonna get out of this cigar? So listen, we came over here. 
It was six of us. We had nothing in this country. I'm not taking anything for granted. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it all in. Okay. I'm not leaving anything to the side. So, but that's an, that, that was another uh, another good day, another good, good experience. Suck the, the marrow out of life is what I expect from go. the Baron. Okay, we got we got to wrap this. We got to go do the radio show. But I got to ask you, you. I know you thought it was great. Everybody who loves America thought it was great. But the most important thing, the most uh, important take home from President Trump's speech at CPAC on Sunday, what was it for you, Baron? Election integrity, voter yes. integrity. Because if we don't have it, we will never win elections in the future. And you look at this H.R. 1, the, the, the absolute absurd and unconstitutional disaster that the Democrats are pushing. That is what was most important from the president. Of course, he continues to show that he is the unquestioned leader of the Republican Party, will continue to be the leader of the Republican Party moving forward. The most important item in my estimation, in my view, was talking about election integrity. I thought talking about immigration was important. Talking about trade deals was important. Overall, the speech was gangbusters. It was robust and was full of policy, which I absolutely loved. And I think you're going to see more for President Trump moving forward. It was exciting to see him out there. And I'm very much looking forward to his involvement in 22 and 2024. 2024. Hashtag roll on 2024. Guys, I, I was at my buddies today. They hadn't seen the speech. Massive Trumpsters. I am, they work hard. But guys, go and watch it on YouTube. It then out. read. I've written a piece for American Greatness. You can get it on my website as well. MAGA 2.0, the next phase. Why that speech was important Big. and what it means, as the Baron said. For next year, 2022, and for 2024, you've been listening to the Battle for 1600. Spread the word, share this video, share the audio. And if you have the time, please do write us a review. God bless you all. See you soon. This has God been bless. the Battle for 1600. Thanks so much.